Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm Yvette Walker, your host for this podcast on finding the true meaning of God's joy. Joy is not a feeling, it's faith. And my guests and I will talk about how to avoid falling down the rabbit hole of chasing physical or emotional joy. In this season, we'll tackle spiritual growth as we discover the true joy of the Lord. Stay tuned for this week's episode of the Positively Joy podcast. From Positively Joy Ministries comes Journaling in His Joy, a new journal that can help you discover what brings real joy by journaling every day and creating a six-month record of memories worth collecting. With over 240 journaling pages, monthly and weekly check-in sheets, and weekly coloring journal pages, this guided journal will help you find joy even in difficult times by actively looking and choosing to see it in every moment. In this journal, you'll look for joy every day and record what you see and experience. Maybe you'll experience it in a rainbow or a song or in the sound of laughter. Choose joy on days where nothing seems to go right and spread that joy to others. Get your copy of Journaling in His Joy, available at Amazon and other fine booksellers. Social drinking is acceptable, especially during the holiday season. But for some, it's a problem that non-Christian alcohol programs can't help. Roseanne Forte knows these problems firsthand, and she wrote a book, created a Christian program, and now a podcast for people interested in understanding what's possible when they remove something toxic from their lives, namely alcohol. I hope you stay tuned for this important episode. Here's Roseanne. Roseanne, thanks so much for being on the Positively Joy podcast. We're really happy you're here. Oh, it's so nice to be here and talk with you, Yvette. Well, you know, your story will, I think, resonate with a lot of people, whether or not they themselves have had a drinking problem or they had family members or, you know, a husband that had drinking. Because drinking uh, is a very social aspect of in this country and in a lot of countries. Um, and in some countries, very, very social to the point of of really having a problem. But I think that, um, you know, we do have problems in this country as well. And your alcohol-free program, because you're an alcohol-free uh, coach and uh, best-selling author of a devotional that deals with this, I think you probably have seen the you know, the concerns, the worries about this. And obviously that's why you're doing what you're doing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had such a personal transformation, um, as I put it aside and learned some of the, you know, lessons that I needed to learn that I just wanted to share it with others and have people know that God, oh my gosh, there's just such a better plan (laughs) Um, when you can remove it from your life. Because I found myself 
yeah, at one point at a, at a place of despair, um, you know, just asking, praying to God, like, you know, I'm kind of done here. If you take me, it's okay. You know, I wow. mean, I did ever do self-harm, but I was, I was so in despair that that was my prayer. And, and I kind of scoffed at Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares a lot. I'm like, yes, yeah, you're sure, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I walked in faith with that scripture. And that's why I'm like, wow, wow, he did have a plan. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I want to learn a little bit about more about you and your faith walk and obviously uh, about the work that you're doing. But I want to ask you first, there may be people who are listening who who don't believe they have a problem. They may be a social drinker or they may not drink at all. And they might think, well, you know, I don't really need to listen today. Why should they, why should they stay on the podcast? Why should they keep listening to what you're going to tell them today? Yeah, worldwide, um, the statistics are that 9% of the people in the world have some level of problem, right? So that means I just like to round the make the math easy, one in 10. So that means if you if you're not suffering yourself and you have like 30 family members and friends, maybe three of them are suffering, right? So this is, I think, um, a methodology to understand and have compassion for people that get in here and maybe offer some solutions for them too. So it's not only for the problem drinker, it's for people don't understand how to help somebody that they see is having a problem. You know, so it does remain relevant for many. Mm, I see. I see. Well, I definitely want to find out more about you. Um, Tell us a little bit about your faith walk, because your story as a as a social drinker and then which escalated later. And I'm going to let you tell that story. Eventually, you found a program that you felt really worked for you with your faith. So I want to kind of, before we talk about that, I want to talk about a little bit of like where you were in your faith walk. Um, how did you start off being a Christian um, and all of that? Yeah, that the short answer to that is absolutely not. I, I, I did have parents who sent me to Catholic school for six years. And um, I appreciate that experience because I learned about the suffering of Jesus on the cross, but I begged my parents in sixth grade to get me out. They weren't religious at all. And um, so they acquiesced because I'm sure they saved money. And then I described myself as a a heathen (laughs) from from that point until I met Jesus. Um, And that didn't happen until... I have several years into my marriage, I think age about age 35, I was pregnant with my second child. I had um, a really difficult marriage. I was separated from my husband while I was pregnant. My then husband's uh, parents were missionaries and they said, you should, you know, go to church. (laughs) It sounded like a great idea. And I found Jesus then, and I gave my life to him, and boy, that Bible just exploded with me. I just read it and like, wow, 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 and it got me through some really um, difficult times. And But I will tell you that, you know, I continued staying in my marriage, which was unpleasant for both of us, (laughs) Um, and as a result, I walked 
with God, loving Jesus, being part of the church, Bible study leader, um, speaker at conferences, you know. Mm -hmm. But yet I lived half my life with Jesus and half my life out, you know, like, let's just go there, right? Drunkenness is a sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everybody drinks, right? (laughs) And, um, you know, and I would say, you know, you'll probably get to a place, you know, that talks about, you know, my spiritual growth, but yeah, I'm all in now because I have really suffered some serious consequences from being one foot in and one foot out. And I know that his instructions aren't rules. They're like, they're stop signs to make sure that we don't get hit, you know, and uh, it's just been a more glorious way to live for sure. Wow. I really think that's an interesting way to put it. One foot in and one foot out. So you say you started as a social drinker, but then life stresses, stresses in your marriage began to drink more. Is it, you know, was it, did it just sneak up on you? You were drinking more without, you know, understanding what was happening? I think I created some habits. Like some people get in trouble with alcohol really quickly and it depends on our genes, right? Some people Mm -hmm. can get in trouble within two years. Mine was four decades. I started at 13 years old. And so I learned how to drink to fit in. I learned how to drink to have fun. I learned how to drink to create romanticism with, you know, whether it was a boyfriend or my husband. Um, I learned how to drink. I mean, just look at TV, right? All the TV shows we watch, they pour that glass of wine when they get home or they have that beer that they're popping open, you know, oh, I'm going to use it to relax. And and I think that's when you get in trouble um, is when you need to check out of life. Mm-hmm. And that is the only methodology you're aware of. Like nobody taught me the dangers. I, we're listening to all the, you know, the media and the 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 influences of this world that that show it as something so wonderful and it's so toxic to our bodies our bodies process it as poison and um that's why i try and teach people is what is truth right when when they go through this it's this awareness of truth because we romanticize it we we believe it's so special in our lives and we can't live without it and we can't have fun and we can't have connection but you know those are those are lies of the enemy and um and they're real for those caught in in this horrible what I call habit neurological habit. <laughs> um, those lies appear very real, and that's that's what I want to tell people. Like on the other side of this, oh, you are going to identify it. Just stay the course long enough, and you look back and go, "How did I believe that?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I've said this before. My father uh, was an alcoholic. Okay. In his later in his later years, he began to drink, you know, he began to drink less. But I remember, you know, he he growing up, he was an alcoholic. He drank a lot. He was a functional al- alcoholic. He um he didn't drink during the week because he worked and he was very, you know, he was, you know, a, a good father and husband in the sense that he wanted to provide for his family. But then the weekend came, you know, Friday through Sunday, it was it was crazy town. 
very fortunate that he was never, you know, physically abusive or anything like that. Um, but he had, you know, just a very, very nasty mouth. And, you know, just, you know, just like what you would expect with some people call it a nasty drunk. Mm-hmm. And and he was that on the weekends, but not during the week. Um, and, and I also think it's really interesting. So, and I just say that because I'm sure, as, as you said, one in 10, I mean, there are people who have similar experiences, if not themselves. And I also find it very interesting that you talked about starting to drink so young. That may shock and horrify some people who are listening, but I know people who started drinking very, very young. And whether or not it was peer pressure or just, you know, inquisitiveness, curiosity, you know, parents had alcohol at the house, you know, whatever. Um, that is something that can, as you said, it can affect people almost immediately. For mm-hmm. you, it took some time for you to escalate your drinking, but you're right. I mean, it can it can happen really, really quickly. Um that could be a whole nother show as far as dealing with young people and drinking, but I just want to kind of point that out, what you said, because I think that's really important for people to to know and maybe even recognize. Well, and so I'm so glad that you brought up your father because I my experience is the the so many people of those nine percent are the functional drinkers that the functional problem drinkers. I was a coach in an executive program and I was dealing with the highest levels of management and CEOs who just start to recognize like, wait, I'm slowing down. I'm not on my game. I'm not feeling well. I'm, you know, waking up, you know, I'm angry. I'm this, I'm that. This, and that's what I'm trying to do is bring the shame out of it because we just have this picture of alcoholic as despair, drunk, you know, homeless. And I just want people to just go, hey, it's it's kind of the same type of thing, like, hey, I gotta lose weight, you know. <laughs> so, like, hey, I need to I need to get this drinking out of con- under control because. I'm not controlling it. It's starting to control me. Mm-hmm. And if we can just have more open conversations about the truth about alcohol, that it's killing people, that uh, liver disease has skyrocketed since COVID. I think alcohol is the um, is the uh, leading cause of preventable death now. I met an ER doctor, and I didn't even know he was an ER doctor in the cafe of my church. And my book is sold there. And somebody goes, Oh, she's an author, goes through the book. And he started asking me all these questions like, Why 12 weeks? What's different? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Yeah, I'm an ER doctor. He goes, I think at least 70% of the people I see in the emergency room are alcohol related. I'm like, What? Wow. And so, but when you include OD, overdose, I mean, um, you know, drug and alcohol, car accidents, domestic violence, fight mm-hmm. bar fights, stupidity. Like a nurse told me, yeah, I saw a 23-year-old come in. He was doing a backflip in a baby pool and he broke his back and he's paralyzed. You know, uh, I mean, yeah. we need to start talking about alcohol for what it is and not believing these these commercials that just romanticize it. It's just very, very difficult. Wow. Yeah. So let's bring faith into this because Mm -hmm. as your 
life stresses, uh, stresses in the marriage increased, your drinking increased, and you went to a program that really worked for you that was faith-based. Is that correct? No, actually. It oh, was no, not. it was not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of one of my bigger messages too, because I, I wanted to find something in the church to help me, but there was celebrate recovery or AA. So I kind of secretly suffered, kept it a secret because once I told somebody, they go, Oh, you're an alcoholic. You're one of those, Mm -hmm. you know, and that label was really, I was very resistant to that label. Um, And I know that a lot of people disagree with that. So the people I'm speaking to are the people that <laughs> struggle with the label, because I know my, one of my pastors, he appreciates the label. It reminds him of his shortcomings and his, you know, so I don't want to, but I'm one that really struggled with the label and stayed away from getting help mm-hmm. because, you know, Oh, you're an alcoholic. I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I, I, I admit I have a problem, but I'm choosing to be alcohol free because it's a better way to live. That's, that's kind of my mantra. Um, so that, and then higher power. I already had my higher power. I love Jesus. I spend every day in the Bible. I, you know, I pray, take this away from me, God, you know, it's just all these prayers, all these promises to yourself. I'll only drink here. I'll only drink on the weekends. I'll only drink on special occasions, only on vacation, you know, only on vacations, um, only with other people. And then you just, you keep breaking your promises. And, and so you go to this place, um, from a mental health standpoint, that's really a place of despair. Mm-hmm. And, um, And you just feel terrible about yourself because you cannot, you just, especially when I coach executives, right? There are people that are used to just, hey, I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And then all of a sudden you're faced with these problems. Mm -hmm. So during COVID, when COVID hit, I was super scared about um, dying in a hospital room on a ventilator with nobody there. (laughs) And um and so, you know, that kind of scared me into quitting because I was a fairly heavy drinker. And then I found a secular coaching program. Um, and it was kind of very, fairly expensive, too. But I went, it was Zoom, it was worldwide, and it was a 90-day challenge. And I was so transformed. I mean, I had my confidence back, my peace, joy, my weight was down, my blood pressure was down. It was just, my self confidence was up, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I recognized that a lot of the te- almost well all <laughs> all of the wisdom that is being taught in the world originated with God, and um, and so I so even started- so even though it was secular, and this is why this is why I was thinking that it was faith based, even though it was secular. The wisdom and teachings that you received, you recognized that it came from God. Ah, I got you. Okay. Yeah, that's how it happened because, and I talked to my pastor about it too, you know, after I was done drinking and I'm like, why did, why did I spend so many years in the church struggling with this? Mm -hmm. And I had to go outside the church to solve it. And he had such a wonderful response. He goes, the world is teaching the kingdom without the king. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And just an FYI, uh, according to the National Institute of Health, you are 84% more likely to be successful in quitting drinking or drugs when God's involved, you know? And um, so anyway, I ended up working for the secular program and I was a client journey coach and a um, enrollment coach. So I had hundreds of conversations with people many of them Christians, many of them Christians, Mm -hmm. just having so much guilt and shame, not knowing where to go, not knowing if this program, they should do this program because it's not biblically based. And so I'd share with them, you know, my story of recognizing God's word embedded in it. And then I started just writing the scripture um, on a, a plain notepad, like my, my pen and paper. So I'd write scripture and I'd write a prayer and I'd take a picture and I'd I'd send it by text to all the clients that were Christians. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. We're saying you have to continue doing this. You have to continue doing this. So that's kind of how it came about is um, me applying the principles in that program to what God has originally told us. Like he gave us the instruction book for how to stay the path, for why it's important, for experiencing the Holy Spirit for putting on the armor of God because we're going to be attacked. And we taught, this has been on my heart over the last two weeks, like so much. A lot of times we teach people about what it's like to experience Jesus when we're all in, when we do this, when we love him, when we read his word, but we don't share with people the practical things that need to occur to resist Satan's temptations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and so that's what I think it is. Like I'm trying to build this awareness of the trickery of the garden, what happens in the garden of what the trickery of that, what happens when you romanticize alcohol. Wait, that's deception. You know, God's word is about truth and it's documenting, like little documenting, like half page, you know, like, what do you think? What? Oh yeah, that is a lie. That is a lie. I I do feel better. I do. I am sleeping better. I am connecting with people. I'm not as angry. (laughs) And then you're just building, building this confidence and this truth based reality so Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, and experiencing the the Holy Spirit to give you what, you know, the tools you need to continue that lifestyle. Wow. Your program is a 12-week program, and I think most people are familiar with something called 12 Steps. Can you talk about the differences between the programs? Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people um, know this, but I think if you did a... um, a a web-based search on the success rate of Alcoholics Anonymous or even any rehab, it's less than 7%. So, you know, 93% relapse or re-drink. And so I'm kind of going with the system, right? And I don't know what time frame that is, but a lot of people will engage in... um, you know, dry January or sober October or a 40-day Lent. But during those times, all they're doing is, I can't, they're detoxing 
I can't wait to day 31 to drink again or day 42 or, you know, 41. Um, so 12 weeks, I have a really high success rate with, right? And, and it's long enough to instill new neurological habits. Mm-hmm. So you can be gun ho for 30 days or four weeks. But then a little bit of boredom kind of comes in like, oh, is this ever going to end? And so what I encourage people to do is you took something out that you thought was really fun in your life or joyful. Like, let's not take something out so that you're a victim. What are you going to put back in? What do you get to do with all that time? Like you're not drinking, you're not recovering from drinking, and you're not thinking about how to quit drinking. That's a lot of time in your life, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and so I want people to kind of examine their gifts. Like what did they give up? Because alcohol stole everything from me. It stole who I was. It stole my gifts. And, um, you know, we were all born with gifts. We know what they are, you know, even if it's a secret thing that we've always wanted to do and we've never done it. So I, I encourage people, like, have you always wanted to, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Right bowl (laughs) like golf (laughs) paint sing you know it doesn't matter because when you go after that gift you'll understand the joy that was intended for you to be used in the kingdom um also focus a lot on forgiveness of self and others because many people um drink as a result of trauma either what they experienced or you know or something they've done that they can't forgive themselves for. So, yeah. And and I just think when you kind of get through that, you process all that um, to break a habit that you takes anywhere from like 67 days to 250 days. And the 12 weeks is just long enough, especially when you're God focused and you're documenting and you're looking for truth, it's long enough to go, whew, I feel so much better. And I and I empower people. I explain to them what's going on scientifically in their brain. And I empower them to choose. And will some choose alcohol? Sure. I mean, that's just it's it's statistically it's gonna happen. But they remember, like, oh life was like this and now it's like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and they're taking responsibility for it as opposed to um, being a victim to it. Mm -hmm. And God gave us choice, right? We can choose to follow him or not follow him. We can choose to sin or not sin. And that's how I kind of like to look at it. And I don't, it doesn't matter what people choose. I try and be uninvested in it. As we know, we're all sinners. Right? <laughs> we all like choose things that we go, whoops. And um, I, my job is just try, to try and get people success. Like if they drink, um, occasionally it does happen that somebody in the program will drink because I do the coaching program too. Um and I'm like, it's okay. It's just 12 weeks. Can you do this for 12 weeks? Mm-hmm. And when they look at it, like, because can you imagine, can you do this forever? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, who wants to do something forever? And that's how I was. I, did, I didn't join my three month program. I could not con- conceptualize forever, but I could say like, 
I don't even know what that looks like. I need to know. And I did plan on drinking after. I absolutely mm-hmm. did. But when I saw the transformation, I was like, no, I don't want that life. I want this life, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. You know, we always um, talk about the fact that people are chasing something. And mm-hmm. in many cases, they're chasing, they're chasing what they perceive to be joy. And you mentioned that sometimes they feel like drinking is something that's joyful, gives them joy. When in fact, really the only thing that we should be chasing is what you found uh, in in Jesus. And so um, did I have a question about the program and the book. Which came first, the program or the book? Um, the book, but not very much behind the program. Okay. <laughs> the book was launched last August and the program was launched October. So, yeah. Okay, okay. But I've been coaching for three years. Right, but, right. Yeah. But in secular, in a secular world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when so when the book was published, um, were there any surprises along the way? Yes, um, two wonderful surprises. The reviews uh, for the book are all coming in like, oh, it doesn't matter what your habit is. This is applicable to all bad habits in life. And that's true, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of, I always say habit because it's a neurological habit. I don't use the word alcoholic recovery or sober because not because they're they're descriptive, but they they come with a stigma. I think a lot of times, at least some people think so. Mm-hmm. So, um, though I call it a habit, and and almost every review like this would be good for any habit. <laughs> and um, the other thing is that. For those people who are dealing with a loved one that is struggling and they know is struggling, it's really hard for them to go, I think you need to go to AA because like me, it's like, no, 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 (laughs) not one of those, not going to do it forever, right? Your brain, it can't comprehend that. But when you go, hey, I just found this book. It's only a 12-week challenge. What do you think? And I've got like some really cool testimonials about somebody giving them as gifts and it creating tears in somebody's eyes. Thank you. It's just what I needed. Or it's a, it's a miracle. My husband's completely transformed. So that is, it's, it's a methodology to share love and compassion with somebody who's struggling because even though you know, I don't know if your dad was in denial. You know, it, it. people say, well, they're in denial. They're in denial. Hmm. I don't think it's denial. I mean, they don't want to admit it to you, but they know themselves, right? But if there's a solution that comes out of love and not judgment, like, hey, I know you're struggling with this. Maybe you can try something for 12 weeks. And it's, you know, especially if you're in a Christian home, it's God-based and try this. Um, so that's been a nice surprise because I honestly, the first podcast I did, people would say, well, what do you, what do I do if I know somebody? And I didn't know the answer to that. <laughs> so the re- Yeah. People gave me the answer to that. Like, give it as a gift. <laughs> that is, yeah, no, that's so wonderful. Um, and, you know, there's so many opportunities to give to give gifts. Now this might 
this might not be the kind of gift you might think of for, you know, I don't know, a birthday or even Mother's Day, but who knows? Uh I mean, who knows? You know, if someone sees the hurt, you know, maybe, maybe it is, you know, maybe it is just perfect to do that. But I, but I think you're right. I mean, I think it would just come with a giving heart and you would just see that I know someone that this would really apply to and, and why not, you know, well, let's, let's Uh, go. I just want to talk to those people who are struggling because they're in a relationship or they have a sibling, a father, a mother, it doesn't, you know, um, being disgusted with their behavior will not lead them to change. I promise. Cause that's, that caused me to drink more because I, you know, somebody rolled their eyes. They didn't care about me. They just cared about how much of a loser I was or how I behaved. And I'm like, yeah, I am a loser. Let's just drink more. And um, I don't think that people understand that I'm not saying don't draw boundaries. Like, I don't want to be in your presence when you drink, or I, you know, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying be compassionate about it. Look, I know this is a real struggle for you, but this is a real struggle for me too. What if you, you know, what's possible? Like, give them hope. What's possible? Let's say it's a spouse. What's possible for us? If you can do this, let's try for 12 weeks, right? Because I want us to be better. If somebody had approached me that way, oh my gosh, I would have been all in. But disgust, I'm just going to grab that bottle of wine and just start drinking the minute after they're disgusted, you know? And and that's an important thing to understand too, I think. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Well, let's, let's tell people how they can find you and where they can find the book. Yeah, the book is on um, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, they can go to my website, www.theplanshehasforme.com, and they can download the uh, Kickstart Method for Alcohol Freedom uh, there as well. And those are all of my you know best tips for starting this journey um, and just challenging themselves. And yeah, and I'm going to start a podcast as well. I This month, I've already recorded the episodes, but it's called Say Goodbye and Imagine. So by April, you'll be able to find it. Say Goodbye and Imagine. Congratulations. Congratulations. You. And your website is not lost on me. It's the scripture that you once that you once thought was a joke. <laughs> right. Well, that's the name of the book, right? The plans he has yeah. for me. Yeah. 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 And it's just recognizing that there is, you know, a much better plan. You know, I went from somebody believing I had nothing to offer the world anymore, even as a follower of Jesus. I couldn't, I couldn't, I used to be a Bible study leader and I pulled myself out of that because my marriage collapsed and I had prayed for it for so long. And I just, I couldn't lead anymore because I didn't believe in prayer. And I was just done. I was just done. I wasn't done with Jesus, but I was done with living. And um, he had a better plan. He did. I think that's possible for all of us. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Go to PositivelyJoy.com to hear previous episodes and to learn more about our ministry and books. Support Positively Joy by becoming a Patreon member and sign up for our newsletter. 
Thanks to Mars Coleman for the use of his song, The Joy of Knowing. And thanks to Susan Marie for editing and production of the podcast. Till next week. Oh, the joy of knowing.